Uh, We're going to read from Genesis, chapter 31. We're going to read about how Jacob set off to go home from his uncle's, the life he had with his uncle Laban. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out of the fields, sorry, to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In the breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels and he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Paddan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, crossed the river Euphrates and headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. 
Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Thanks very much, Terry. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we praise you that your word is living and active. And we pray now that you would bring it alive to each one of us. You would speak into our hearts. You would reveal yourself to us as the one true God. He was here with us today and we with us forevermore. Amen. Well, if uh, some of you know our dog Jasper, um, he's not going to win any prizes for uh, being the best behaved dog, um, maybe partly due to his training. Um, but one thing he is good at is if you take him for a walk, you take him off the lead, you let him go, he will never let you out of his sight. He may run off into the distance, um, but then he will look around to check that you are there and come running back. He needs the, uh, the reassurance that you are there with him. It's coming, uh, as we heard earlier, close to that time of year when many children will be uh, starting school for the first time. And I don't know whether it's more anxious for the child or the parent uh, as they trot up to school and leave their child, their, their beloved child, in a strange place with a whole load of people they don't know. How will they get on on their own? Will they make friends? Will they feel lonely? Well, loneliness is one of the biggest threats to uh, our health in this country. Uh, we normally associate it with older people living on their own. But actually, as this um, BBC survey discovered, uh, even higher levels of loneliness are experienced amongst younger people um, going through different changes at those early stages of life. Loneliness, of course, is not just about being on your own. As we know, it's easy to feel lonely in a crowd. It's more about not having people you can trust. As one interviewee said, I'm very good at being chatty. I can talk to anyone. But that doesn't mean I'm able to have those lasting relationships with people. You can be in a group, and it can be intimidating because you're conscious of not letting people get to know the real you. Well, the good news from our passage this morning is that when we belong to God, we are never alone. He's always with us, and we can trust him. But what exactly does it mean when he says, I am with you? Because he's not physically here with us, he's here by his spirit, but what does that actually mean? Well, hopefully, as we continue in the series in Jacob uh, that we've been looking at, we'll find out more what God is saying to us. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of Jacob's a dream. Jacob had had to leave his home because his brother Esau was threatened to kill him after he cheated him out of his blessing. And he'd started out on this 500-mile walk to uh, uh, the home country of Padan Aram, which you'll find on the, the slide behind me, right at the top there. Uh, this is where he's going to find a wife. Uh, he left penniless and in disgrace, But on that first night, God in his mercy appeared to him in a dream. And in that dream, he saw a stairway to heaven with angels descending 
and ascending. And God gave him this promise. He said, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And having given him that promise of what he will do, God reassures him with these words, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. That promise that God is with us is a promise that Jacob is reminded of three times in the passage we're looking at this morning. And it's a promise that we need to be constantly reminded of throughout our Christian walk. Because there will be times when we all feel anxious and lonely. But in case you you weren't here last week, let's see how we got up to this point. Um, Because Jacob arrived in Haran. And things got off to a good start. He receives a warm welcome from his, uh, his uncle Laban, falls in love with his, his cousin Rachel. Uh, but not having any money or wealth, he offers to work for seven years in return for her hand in marriage. However, Laban is not all he seems. Um, and on the night of Jacob's wedding, he brings his eldest daughter Leah to him instead of Rachel. And when Jacob realizes the following morning, uh, he's pretty angry, as you can imagine. Laban's excuse is that it's the custom in his country to give the eldest daughter first in marriage. But he does say that Jacob can marry Rachel as well after a week, if he works for another seven years. And Laban's selfish plan may have earned him another seven years of free labor, but we saw last week the impact of that on the the life in Jacob's family. Two sisters at war with one another, Leah feeling unloved by her husband, but by God's grace bearing children, which she hoped would make Jacob love her. And then Rachel, loved by Jacob, but getting increasingly angry and desperate and not being able to conceive children of her own. It's not a happy family. And it makes you wonder... But what happened to that promise that God had made to Jacob? I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. It doesn't seem to be with him right at this moment. So what does God mean with that promise? And what does he mean to us today? Well, let's have a look. Because the first thing that it means when God says, I am with you, means God will bless you. God will bless his people. Let's move into the passage which um, we pick up where we left off last week. Um, verse 30, sorry, verse 25 of um, chapter 30. Jacob decides that he's worked 14 years for Rachel. Rachel's now given birth to um, a child, Joseph, and it's time to go back to his homeland. Now, maybe to see his family again, and maybe to get away from his father-in-law It may be because of the promise that God has given him that he will return one day to his land. And so Jacob goes to to Laban and asks his permission in verse 25. He says, send me on my way so that I can go back to my homeland. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. In other words, I don't actually owe you anything. 
But Laban doesn't want to, to lose either his family or his source of wealth. And he almost begs him to stay. In verse 28, he says, name your wages and I will pay them. I wonder if anybody's ever said that to you. Well, Jacob replies this. He says, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? In other words, you've done pretty well out of my work because of God's blessing on me. But I have nothing to share for it, to share for it, nothing to give my own family. What shall I give you? Laban says. To which Jacob replies, don't give me anything. Then he comes up with an idea which um, he will keep any speckled and spotted sheep and goats and, uh, and dark-colored lambs. In other words, all the unusual ones. All those that are born from that point on. And Laban can have all the rest. Just to make it harder, uh, Laban gets to remove all the, the existing speckled and, and spotted ones. Um, so Jacob is left with all the plain sheep and goats. And from them, any speckled ones or spotted ones he gets to keep. Now once the, the flocks have separated, Jacob has this little plan, a little scheme. I won't go into analysis, a bit convoluted. Um, the main thing is the result of it. Have a look at down at verse 43. It says, in this way, the man Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. And the point of that story is not that Jacob has come up with this great scheme for, um, for sheep rearing. It's that God still blesses Jacob despite what would seem to be an impossible situation. In the midst of family breakdown, God is still blessing him. Even in the family, although the relationships are, are broken, Rachel and Jacob are trying to take things into their own hands by having children through the servants. But God is still blessing them through the gift of children. And it's easy, isn't it, when we're going through tough times to forget just how much we are blessed by God. It's very easy to become glass half empty people and to focus on all the things that are not going well rather than enjoying all the things or the people in our lives that we've been given by God as Christians we should all be glass half full people and yet it still affects us as well doesn't it we forget God's blessings we, we lose our gratitude in our hearts to God for all he's given us now it's not to diminish our pain when we lose someone or something. But as Job acknowledged in that song we sang earlier, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As we've seen already in this series, the greatest blessing that we can ever enjoy is that of God himself. That is the purpose of everything that Jesus did on the cross so that we can know God. In forgiving us, Jesus took away the guilt, the guilt of sin that separates us from God. He removed that that barrier. 
And hence we have this stairway to heaven that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is that stairway to heaven that's open for all of us. I'm with you means God will bless his people. But also I'm with you means God will protect his people. As we go into chapter 31, which Terry read for us, we read in verse 1 that Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. And it's at this point that the Lord says to Jacob in verse 3, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Now God knew it was not going to be easy for, for Jacob to go back. First of all, he doesn't know whether his wives will want to go with him. He knows his father and all won't want him to leave. And as far as he is aware, his brother back home still hates him, still wants to kill him. So what happens? Well, first of all, Jacob, we see in verse 4, sends word to, to his wives, Rachel and Leah, to come out to the fields where his flocks are, maybe to speak to them privately. And this is what he says to them. He says, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. Jacob has put everything into his work. There was no reason why his father-in-law should be displeased with what he was doing. No reason with getting away with paying him nothing. No reason why he should deceive him. However, Jacob continues, God has not allowed him to harm me. God has not allowed him to harm me. And verse 9, it also says, God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. However clever, however deceitful Laban may be, he's no match for God. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what's going on. And he tells Jacob in a dream, in verse 12, he says, I've seen, I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Now Rachel and Leah can see that not only has their father been dishonest towards their husband, he's been dishonest towards them. And they say there, not only has he sold us, but he's used up what was paid for us. And so they say to Jacob in verse 16, do whatever God has told you. We're behind you. We're going to come with you. We support you. And they set off straight away. We're not quite sure why Rachel stole her father's household gods, whether it was out of spite or for religious motives or to claim sort of inheritance rights. But it does show just how much her relationship with her father has deteriorated. Jacob's action of fleeing without telling Laban also reveals his fear, his lack of faith in God in his promise that he would be with him, he would protect him. Of course, when Laban finds out, he, he pursues Jacob. And after seven days, he catches up with him. This is um, where they were, right at the top there. And they come all the way down here. This is where they 
catch up with them and meet them. And after having a go at um, Jacob for running away without giving him a chance to, to say goodbye to his children and grandchildren, he says to Jacob, you have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Laban has the power to harm Jacob, but that power is restrained by the sovereign God. What Laban can't understand, he says, why did you steal my gods? Uh, Jacob doesn't know what Rachel has done, and so he says, well, if anybody here has stolen them, then you'd be free to put them to death. But again, God protects Rachel from being found out, which gives Jacob a chance to have a go at Laban and tell him just how much he has been exploited by him over the past 20 years. And he finishes in verse 42 by saying, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. The God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Jacob knows God is with him. Jacob knows that God is protecting him. Unfortunately, they're able to, to make peace before they go their separate ways. They make a covenant before the Lord which Jacob promises to protect Laban's daughters and they will not cross the boundary to do harm to to each other. They eat together, they spend the night there and the following morning Laban kisses his children and grandchildren goodbye and and returns home. And we're told in verse 1 of chapter 32, Jacob also went on his way and the angels of God met him. What are those angels there for? Well, as it says in the Psalms, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. His angels are there for protection, as they're here today for protection. Now, God's promise of protection doesn't just apply to Jacob. It does apply to his people today. He has the power to protect us from harm. I mentioned the other week the story of uh, God's smuggler, which I was reading uh, on holiday. The border guards of those crossings that uh, Brother Andrew went through were incredibly well-trained and meticulous uh, in their inspection of each car. And they had the power to imprison him at any time. But Brother Andrew was able to say exactly the same as Jacob said. However, God has not allowed them to harm me. I'm sure we can think of times when God has protected us from, from harm. I can think of close shaves with um, fraudsters, with, with burglars, with muggers. But more often than not, God's protection is from spiritual attack, from Satan, from us falling into temptation, from us doing something stupid or, or dangerous. There are situations I'm aware of where God has protected me, but um, there'll be many more that I'm not aware of. Where God has protected me from harm, from, from illness, from accidents. 
That doesn't mean we will never have an accident. It doesn't mean we will never become ill or be victims of injustice. We live in a, in a fallen world. And there are also reasons why sometimes God in his perfect wisdom allows those bad things to happen to us. As we said last week, Jacob had a lot of lessons to learn. He left his own family with no scruples about lying, about deceiving others to get what he wanted. One of the lessons he had to learn was the need to to trust God, not to take things into his own hands. Having been the one who deceived, he had to see what it was like being on the other hand of that, being the one who was deceived himself. He had to learn about patience. So it's good to always ask ourselves, maybe he's using our situation to teach us about an area of of sin in our lives that we've not repented of. Or maybe um, showing us how we've started to value something or someone more than God himself. But what we need to remember is that our greatest goal as a Christian is not our comfort, as we've been looking at in a recent series. It's not our well-being. It's not our, our wealth. It's not to seek all of God's physical blessings. It's to know God himself. And it's to know him through Jesus Christ. And to become more like him. And that is what brings deep joy. That's what brings deep uh, peace. That's what helps us cope with loneliness and suffering. As Paul said in his letter to the Philippians, which we're looking at on Sunday evenings, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. But he also goes on, and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. James said the same thing in a different way in his letter. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I am with you. means God will protect his people, but it also means he will work for their good in all things. And finally, it means God will come to his people. In the account of Jesus' birth in in Matthew, we are told all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When struggles come, we are tempted to respond in ways which are not godly, as we've seen in the story of Jacob already. God doesn't look down from heaven disprovingly, uh, trying to spot each time we make a mistake, like a, a proofreader who delights in finding an error in a piece of writing. God's not like that. He feels sympathy for us. Jesus came down to earth as Emmanuel, God with us. He, he's lived a human life. He, he knows what it is to be tempted. Being fully God, he was able to withstand all those temptations, but he understands what it's like to face them. He's also known what it feels like to be alone, to be betrayed, to be deserted, to be denied by his closest friends, to hang on a cross 
and call out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he was raised to life. He appeared to his disciples and he forgave them. And before he ascended to heaven, he he fulfilled the promise to Jacob as he gave his disciples that commission that we saw earlier, which Colin read for us. Go and make disciples of all nations, including that promise, and surely I am with you always, the very end of the age. Jesus didn't return to heaven and leave his people alone. He sent the Holy Spirit to be our encourager. And he left us with a promise in John 14. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will never be alone. There may be times in your life when you feel alone, as we saw earlier. Anyone at any time can feel alone. And it's important as a church that we look out for those who are feeling that way. But more importantly, we can go to God at any time and ask that he would reassure us of his promise that I am with you. Therefore, we don't need to be afraid because God will bless us. God will protect us. And God will work for our good in all things. And he will come again to take us to be with him. And as we enjoy and reflect on that wonderful promise, may we share it with the people around us. Those who are feeling the pain of loneliness. They may not be obvious to us because many people just put on a front and pretend everything is fine. Therefore pray for the Spirit's discernment. Pray for ways to engage with people and understand where they're at and comfort them with a promise with which we have been comforted ourselves. Amen.